Die groe trek Sam Dupienina Weesda Tussen 3 en 6 So last week het president Cyril Ramposa Natuurlijk die State of the Nation uh, Gehad En um, sauna Die sauna Soos wat ons hem uh, ken mm-hmm. En so veel mense Wat aan die middenstad van Kaaps Dat by vrienden van my het gesê Ons nie eers geweer het gaan gebeur nie En toe even skielik is het net Al die fancy karre Dis helikopters oor die parlement En mm. jy weet uh, Al die mense wat nou in hulle mooi moois uitgeloop ge- ge- Kom en sovoorts Maar daar is een hele paar goeders Wat die man geadresseer het raak en, uh, jy weet, hy, hy moet nou bykie terugvoer gee oor die jaar wat, wat was en die jaar wat gaan wees. En ons was ongelukkig nou nie daar nie, ons het so net so uh, terloops een of twee goeikies gevang, maar iemand wat wel daar was, is uh, Ayanda Ali, en sy is uh, die communications director by Build One S, hy is ook die voormalige government spokesperson vir die Ministry of Transport onder uh, ene verkiele en balula. Ayanda, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. How do I say it? Goeiemiddag. Yeah. Thank you very Ooh. much for having me. Fantastic. <laughs> My Afrikaans is limited. That's about as far as it can go. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. <laughs> so, Ayanda, just just quickly, uh, Sona 2024, uh, any major surprises? I think there, there was no surprise. Um, we've heard the story again and again. The only new thing that came out was the word Tinsualo, I guess, that had everybody raging. Who is this Tinsualo? And is it a figment of the president's imagination or is it the reality of some people in South Africa? We did expect him to give us a brief update of what he has done in office. We did anticipate that he would also, you know, take us through what he hopes to achieve um, should he come back again after these elections so no surprises there and of course you know um, one anticipated that the huge problems that we experience in South Africa would be minimized and it was no surprise that less than 24 hours after the state of nation state of the nation address we were plunged into darkness stage Mm. six load shedding Mm. and it's equally no surprise that even today we're hearing um, some senior government officials in the ANC saying load shedding is not the end of the world. So yeah, same script, different costs, I guess. Um, Ayana, you referred to Tintualo, um in your answer right now. Can you just explain to listeners or people who weren't listening to the sauna what, what is uh, he or she? So Tintualo, the president used as um, somebody who was born in the democratic dispensation who would be turning 30 this year. This is somebody the president says would have lived in an RDP house, gone to a fee-free school, um, been able to get food there at school, benefited from NAFSIS and reaped the rewards of this democratic dispensation as it were. And I think it's so interesting because the president is not lying. Indeed, all those interventions have been made by the ANC Mm. and I think it's important for us to contextualize to say if you say the ANC has done nothing in 30 years that's not quite true but also we must be able to understand that this same Tinsualo has not gotten all rosy because we know if you look at social grants for example people struggle to receive them at the end of the month we know that Sasa pays as and when it feels like paying if we look at some of those fee-free schools the infrastructure is dilapidated Mm. The staff there is going through difficulties to have to teach the kids. And we know that if we look at things like the food that they receive, just in case 
again a few months ago food was not coming and the food that did come was told to be rotten at times and so there was some some transgressions that happened when it comes to the delivery of food there so to paint a picture and say everything that has been provided was rosy is not true I think what we saw in the beginning of the democratic dispensation was that upward trajectory, the euphoria of the Rainbow Nation, with that Nelson Mandela, investments coming in fast and furious. But then we started to plateau. Mm. And then when we started to see graft and things like corruption, malfeasance, we started to decline. And while, yes, you can look at the things that the ANC government has done, the decline is steady, it's consistent, and it is a downward spiral. And that's why we were saying that really to say that Denzwalo is living in a rosy South Africa is not true because even the interventions that the state has made have been wanting. And the fact that in 30 years, you still have people who are depending on grants, who depend on the state to have housing, is I think a shame for the ANC government that you have more people now who are on welfare than less. It means you have not developed people. It Mm. means you have not empowered them. And dare I say, this is not the freedom that our forefathers fought for. Now, one of the big things that the president did do is he backtracked on 2023, uh, all the promises that he made, and he couldn't get around to. Uh, why do you think he touched on these points again if, if it's something that he won't be able to discuss or provide answers to? The government is a huge machine with many components and it is difficult to turn things around. I mean, I just imagine the Titanic and having to swerve out of the way. It is really, really difficult. But when there's a will, there's a way. Where you're finding that you have leaders who are credible, leaders that business and citizenry can trust, leaders who really have the capacity to lead and to serve, then I think nothing is impossible. What we are seeing at the moment is that whenever there's a tender that comes out, we even shake our heads and we think, I wonder who's going to eat Mm. now. Whenever there's any infrastructure development project that comes out, if the money is spent at all, then we wonder whether or not the the material that's going to be purchased is going to be up to standard or is going to be below par, if that is spending at all. Because sometimes we're finding that there's underspending on the capital expenditure budget because people are waiting to line up the friends so that their friends can benefit from this. So what the president says, you know, really gets rolled over year on year on year. I mentioned there the houses and Alex, I mentioned that bullet train. I mentioned things like that, uninterrupted power supply. I also mentioned things like, you know, uh, uh, this this economy that was going to create jobs and houses. And Alex, you know, where is that? You know, he may be well-meaning. He may have good intentions. Who knows? But one thing we know is that delivery, the devil is in the detail. And that, you know, implementation is, is where we struggle as a country. And implementation is where the leadership is. So the policies, great. You know, some might need upgrading, yes, but the policies are not far uh, from where we want to be. The problem is who's at the helm trying to implement the change. Mm. Listen, we have a few more questions we would like to discuss with you. We're just going to go to the traffic and we'll be right back. Once Gesells met Ayana Alice as a communications director by Build One SA, because we're so not feeling to We weren't, uh, you know, there. Uh, but Ayanna tackled all of that first, thank goodness, so she can give us some, some feedback. Ayanna, now, um, 
One of the biggest questions I have for you, Ayanda, is regarding the president himself. Uh, you having been part of, uh, you know, a spokesperson for for the former government under ANC rule and that kind of thing. Uh, in terms of the president, Silver Ramaphosa, do you think he he has good intentions? Do you think he's a bit of a, a puppet that he needs to, you know, he's kind of just the the fall guy for decisions that are made internally? And could he possibly be the guy to lead us to change? Look, I, I I don't know him well enough personally for me to cast aspersions about his intentions or otherwise. I can just speak about the culture of the organization. And sometimes we become guilty by association, right? So the culture that seems to be prevalent in the ANC or seems to be um, something that has taken precedence is how to amass wealth and to do it quickly. We see that some of the new entrants to the party are not necessarily going into it all the time because of, you know, the benevolence of their hearts, but sometimes because of bread and butter issues. I want to get into the structures so that I can get a job, so that I can get a tender. I'll make an example. You know, when I became um, a spokesperson for the minister, I soon got uh, an anonymous letter where some of the comrades were quite upset because I was chosen based on merit, based on qualification and based on experience and expertise. But I had never done a door-to-door campaign, you know. And so they were saying, so how can you get this job without having done a door-to-door campaign? And I asked myself, so does that mean when you do door-to-door campaigns, it's not because of the movement and the love and the passion for the people, it's because you want to get a job? So the culture that's there, I think, is 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 what is a bit of a problem. I have no doubt that there are ANC officials that are good, that are well-meaning, but unfortunately, the, the the culture of the organization is such that even those with good intentions may find it difficult to express their good intent or even implement it. So speaking about culture, um, state capture was a major theme. Um, why why do you think he um, brought it up? So I, I mean he. He kept returning to the theme and how it led to a decade of stagnation. And and he said how the past five years have been about fixing that damage. Mm. (laughs) I think for me, and and this is where my blood began to boil, because in the room, you know, all around him were people who were implicated one way or another in state capture. Mm. Now, these are not people who have since shown remorse mm. or since apologized for their part or since acknowledged that perhaps their decisions were wanting. You know, it's one thing for you to befriend somebody who is a Gupta and then realize after the fact that this person is maybe not the right person to befriend. And then you turn around and you say, South Africa, I was wrong. Do forgive me for one, two, and three. If I need to pay any money, I will pay. I think, you know, to err is human. To forgive is divine. That is understandable. But we're talking about people in the room who were headstrong and determined, who did not seemingly care about the extent of damage that was caused, you know, about how state-owned entities were collapsed because of state capture, you know, and 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 to then turn around as a head of state and say, we're going to fix this and mm. we're going to retrieve monies, etc. When the very people who are implicated are looking right at you mm. and you're not starting by cleaning your own backyard. Exactly. And you're not starting by being remorseful even to say, we erred, we are wrong, forgive us. I think that's where I really, yeah, mm. I thought no, <laughs> yeah. I, this this is something that just cannot be taken lightly. I think that's what 
led to my my mm. response to say we cannot be be treated as if we don't know that those who mm. are implicated in state capture are right there in the room with you. But state capture was one of the main themes. There were were uh, I want to say a few uh, major themes that came up. Uh, in all parts of his State of the Nation address, what were the predominant themes that you picked up from uh, what the president had said? Look, the president spoke at great length about what the ANC government has done, and justifiably so. I mean, I think any administration will want to speak about their intervention. Again, you know, this is something that we cannot ignore as South Africans. Many, many people can attest to the work of the ANC in their lives because they have a roof over their head. My personal favorite contribution has been the eradication of mother-to-child transmission of HIV. I think that mm. is something that was a game changer and that is something that needed to be highlighted. So, so you know, him focusing really on their achievements was something that, you know, was to be expected and was something that one could understand. But like I said, the blatant disregard for the damage that has been caused you know, was something that I think is is inexcusable almost. So he does speak about the fact that we still have challenges and we still have a way to go and we still need to work together. But I've yet to hear an official apology that says, you know, we have wronged you when it comes to Transnet, for example. I mean, Transnet is an entity that is so important for the economy of South Africa. We are rich in mineral resources. The president also spoke about that, the minerals that benefit the country. You know, we really, really are blessed in that kind of way. But we have a bottleneck in that entity in that people are not able to move cargo. When you look at our ports, for example, they are no longer the preferred means of entry into the continent because of the stagnation there. And we can point at a number of different reasons why this is the case. We can speak about vandalism of rail infrastructure and how it's dilapidated and how under COVID really it was stripped to the bone with no security guards there and vandals even stealing the very bricks that form the pavement. So we can speak about that as well. But but there's no what can I say? You know, taking the country into your confidence to say, this is where really we have failed mm. you. And going into this next election, this is what we're going to fix. You're still having, like I said, ANC official saying load shedding is not the end of the world. I think that is tone deaf. I think it is insensitive to those who have lost their lives mm-hmm. because their uh, breathing machines were not working, to those <laughs> who have been robbed and maybe even sexually assaulted mm-hmm. because they were in absolute darkness and their alarm systems were not working or they had to walk to work 4 a.m. in the morning to catch a taxi and um, and they were then abused because the street lights were not on. I think it's that detachment for me that makes me feel like maybe they just don't get it and maybe they may not be the leadership that we need that will take us into the future that we desire. Ayanda, you now spoke about Transnet. Th- these ideas, uh, you know, we already heard in 2022 and those promises were made a long time ago and, and it's just not going to happen. Do you think these are election tactics uh, ahead of the upcoming elections? The guys are trying to, to win some additional votes by throwing some, uh, you know, uh, I want to almost say holding the, the carrot in front of the, the horse's nose. Well, we know that whenever there are elections, um, people always start to work. Hey, um, we've had a sinkhole where I say I'm in Rudaport in the West Strand in Johannesburg. And there are two different areas, one in Princess and the other one in Discovery, where we've had these gaping holes in our streets for years. I'm talking years. 
and come election, all of a sudden there's uh, budget, <laughs> uh, everybody's coming to the party and you start to see um, your TLBs and people and overalls and there's work to be done. And as a resident, you just, you know, think to yourself, as long as it's done, it really matters not when it is now, if it's just for elections, yes. But I think we need to be mindful that we, we have life after elections. So yes, there may be promises that are made to us. Yes, there may be things that are springing up all around us, but don't forget what life is like in between those elections. Don't forget now when we're supposed to vote and all of a sudden there's no load shedding and everything is hunky-dory. Remember what the days are like when you have to wake up in the wee hours of the morning, take your kids to school in absolute darkness. So I think, yes, it's to be expected for, for him to make promises. He does it every year, you know, even outside of elections, he'll tell us, you know, what the, the, the state is going to do. More so in an election year, I believe, and more so with his last state of the nation address for this current administration. And so it's expected for him to make those promises. Um, but I, I always say to people, remember what it's like between those elections, mm. right? When it's about election time, you'll see things happen. Remember when it's in the middle and we're having rolling blackouts like stage six. Well, Ayana, we just have uh, two or three more questions. Obviously, we want to touch in on uh, unemployment. If you don't mind, we're just going to go to the news quickly. This uh, Ayanda Alice is a communications director with Build One SA. We spoke about a little bit of politics to put in perspective to sit in summit on the line as the communication director of Build One SA, Ayanda Alice. So, the formalige woordvoerder for the minister of Vervoer, Mr. Fakile Malula. You probably had a great time with Fakile. He always kept us on our toes. I mean, we traveled the length and breadth of South Africa, always putting our proverbial fires on the ground. So, yeah, interesting times. So, Yana, the president spoke about unemployment and uh, said that it is challenge, uh, challenges that face that's faced all over the world. Um, <clears throat> they mentioned that um, South Africa is right at the top of the list of countries with the high, uh, highest unemployment rate. Next to Tavula, Djibouti, Equatorial Guinea, Palestine. I mean, it's not good company to be in. And is that even a way that a president should be looking at things? Absolutely not, Nina. And, and, and I think this is why I said in my response that we should not measure South Africa against developed countries, but we also should not measure South Africa against developing countries. You can't. We should measure South Africa against its own potential. Mm. Because if you look at maybe a, a, a war-torn country or countries that have faced instability on the continent, etc., and then you say you see we're better than country so-and-so mm. because we do one, two, and three. You're measuring against something that is, is, is the lowest exactly. of the lowest, not even a benchmark, yeah. you know? Or if you said, oh, you know, even developed countries are struggling, etc. The developed countries you talk of don't have minerals. They don't have resources. They don't have a young population like us. Mm. Look at ourselves. That's what we need to do. Look at ourselves as, as a country. Look at the fauna and the flora that we have. Look at the tourist destinations that we have. Look at the mineral resources that we have. Look at the human capital that we have 
And you then say to me, this is the best that we can do. Mm. And this is the best economy that can we have. It, with all those things in mind, I think not. I, we fall short of our own potential. Mm. And so to have the president say, oh no, the reason why we're in such a tough economic um, condition is because everybody in the world is going through it. And while he may be correct, yes, to a lesser or greater extent, people are struggling universally economically, but we are definitely not where we should be when it comes to economics. Even if you take into consideration where the world is at at the moment, we ought to be further advanced because we definitely have the right start in the democracy. We were on the right path. We were open for business. We had the favor of the world. We had the resources in terms of education, etc. We are not making the most of the, 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 the God-given gifts that we do have. Mm. And to then turn around and say, well, you know, it's not really our fault. I think it's it's really disingenuous, if I can say that, with the best and utmost respect. We definitely can we must do better. We're being beaten by so many um, of our counterparts on the continent that we ought to be competing healthily with. Mm. You know, mm. when it comes to things like um, the ICT, you know, Kenya throwing us flames. When it comes to entrepreneurship, I mean, even our GDP, you know. So, so, so we ought to be doing a lot better than we are doing at the moment. We've definitely lost our status as, you know, the gateway into the African continent. We are no longer being seen as the big brother of, of Africa because of our stature, because of our influence, because of the prestige with which people speak about South Africa. Unfortunately, the last few years have dealt us a significant blow and we need to recover. We need to start competing against our own potential and say, here's our potential. If we're falling short, what do we need to do to match that potential? Absolutely. Ayanda, just before we let you go, we've discussed a few of the more negative topics um, I've, I've got two questions and then we'll uh, end it off. Uh, anything positive that came from the State of the Nation address uh, that, that you can tell us about? And then also, secondly, do you think this year we will see change coming after the elections? Anything positive that he had to say let me think long and hard. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> look, look. Uh, uh, something just came to yeah, I know I had to dig deep into the recesses <laughs> of my mind for that one. But I think something that, again, just shows the tremendous potential that South Africa has, you know, our artists in the arts and culture space, our creators, our communicators, our musicians, my goodness, they really have put us on the map. Our sportsmen and women really show the essence of who we are as a country. We are people who who really are favored. We are those who are considered among the blessed, I believe, because we have this beautiful raw talent, this innate gifting that we have. We're winning Grammys. We're winning World Cups. We're winning the the UFC and then the president leaves that out because he criticizes the government. I don't even know what that was until I heard we won. It, you know, but, but it just shows that if you tap into the potential of what we can do as South Africans, we really can unleash the greatness that lies within. And I think if we start to play our strengths and we really start to, 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 to measure up against our own potential, we'll even see better social cohesion and race relations and even things like xenophobic violence will become a thing of the past. I mean, the only reason why we clash as a society is because we 
we are just highly stressed, stressed by load shedding, stressed by the high cost of living. We're, we're really grappling and scrambling for crumbs. And if you are in that state, you're going to see your brother as your enemy because you're competing for him for these crumbs that are mm. falling off the table. So I believe strongly that if we start to, to really tap into our potential and have leadership that can help us to come together, work together, play at our strengths, we'll start to get along even better, you know, just as we did when the, the dawn of democracy came to pass, because we'll trust each other, knowing that there is enough for everybody to share and knowing that our future is bright. Then we'll look at each other with trust, with love and with with great sense of pride to be a South African. So, I mean, the one thing the president said really was highlighting our sportsmen and women. And in terms of whether or not we'll see change, definitely. I do believe that South Africans are tired of status quo. I do believe that South Africans are going to take back the power that is in essence theirs. And I believe that they're going to vote for for a different outcome. And we are going to see collaborations and coalitions. And I'm of the view that because we've seen the worst, we're definitely going to work towards the best of what this country can Mm. offer. Well, Ayanda, I honestly hope that we've been uh, saying that for for, for the past couple of weeks, uh, getting our listeners to make sure that they register to vote and that they aren't going to, you know, uh, draw their mark for the right uh, reasons this year. And let's affect change. Let's be the change Mm. that we want to see in the world this year. But uh, thank you for putting Sona into perspective for us. We really appreciate it. Please send our regards to everyone over there at Build One SA. And uh, we really appreciate you taking time to chat to us this afternoon. Definitely. Musi Maimani and Nobuntu Shaza Webster send their greetings. They send their love. That's the leadership of Build One South Africa. Thank you so much for giving us this platform. Thank you so much. This is Ayanda Ali, the communication director by Build One SA. Kajar maandag tot vrijdag saam Doopie en Nina. 3 tot 6, net hier op die Groot Trek op Groot FM 90.5.